<clears throat> this chapter is, uh, among other ones, at the beginning of Proverbs that were recorded by Solomon as instruction to his son as well. And so I thought it would be appropriate that we would read one of these chapters. Chapter 3, beginning with the first verse. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked, when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in, in, thine, in, the, in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, Go, and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. Strive not with a man without cause, if he hath done thee no harm. Envy thou not the oppressor, and choose none of his ways. For the froward is abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he that blesseth the habitation of the just. Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. I've read the entire chapter.
Let's bow down and worship the Lord together. Abba, Heavenly Father, it is such a privilege that we, our spirits, can cry out and acknowledge that we are not orphans, but not fatherless, but there is one who is wise, one who is providing, one who has created and formed us for a purpose, one who, whose father heart is touched even by these weak, feeble prayers. Lord, thank you for giving us this opportunity this morning to look into your living word. We pray for the humility of heart that we can acknowledge our need of instruction, of understanding, of wisdom, that we will not be so foolish as adolescents to think we have outgrown and we know ourselves and that we do not need and these things are, are, are old and we know better. Father, we want the lowliness that receives your blessing, the integrity, the righteousness. We want wisdom, wisdom with, whereby we can build a life that, that is a sustaining tree, wisdom that is the person of your son. Father, we're so thankful that you have sent him to, to show us, not just by, by words on a page, by the, by the word in person, what wisdom looks like. Father, we pray for grace to emulate that, that only you can provide. Father, we're thankful for the blessings we have had for the new children being born. We're thankful for your um, mercy and the health that you've bestowed. We pray for your grace upon those who are grieving and those who have lost loved ones. Father, we pray that you would draw them near to you and they would find both comfort and wisdom under your, in your embrace. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> As uh, I was considering what the Word of God has to say to fathers and to sons, of course, which are the next generation's fathers, I was looking through many chapters, and, and you know, there's a verse in third John, in uh, John's uh, third epistle, general epistle, that stood out to me, and um, it it simply says, John speaking, he says, "I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth." And so, these instructions here that we've read, these reminders. They're the distillation of not only the teaching of a godly man in David, and that was passed on to Solomon, 
but Solomon's own observations that he added to that. And then that wisdom and that intelligence was further blessed by the presence of the Holy Spirit so that we have this recorded now in the Word of God for us. So it's important that we pay attention. This is not the latest self-help book or a Dr. Spock's manual on raising parents that the subsequent generation overturns because it doesn't work. This is the timeless word of God that has been preserved for us and fathers and mothers and really all of us need to consider these words because they are applicable to all of us. The world picks certain days for certain observations. Now there's so many of them that you can't even really keep track. It seems like every day is a day designated for something or other. And I don't want us to think that if we're not fathers, this doesn't apply. Uh, I have seen men of God who do not have children of their own teach exactly these things to the next generation following, even though they were not their children after the flesh, but rather after the spirit, much like Paul taught Timothy. <clears throat> so we need to all remember these things. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. The father's role is to be an instructor, a teacher of the things that both he has learned and the accumulated wisdom of previous generations as well. It's to be passed down through the father to the next heads of the households. Now, that sounds to the modern ear a lot like oppressive patriarchy. But that's not true at all. Why do I say that? Because really, I think this is a warning against human nature itself. As men, we're inclined, I think, to dereliction of this duty. It's much easier to say, go ask your mother, than to search out an answer and to apply it and then to live it, to model it as well as teach it. That's the hard thing to do. So much like the Word of God tells um, husbands to love their wives because the Lord knew that we might have trouble with that and told the, the, the wives to honor their husbands because he knew that they might have trouble with that as well, I see these same things recorded here as contrary to human nature and therefore worthy of, of instruction to us because we, need, we, we must realize that we live in a fallen world and that the things of God are directly opposed to that. And so we need to learn them, and we need to live them, and it's always an uphill battle. This th these things do not come naturally or easily to anyone. That's why it's important that it's passed down. For length of days and long lives and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Men like to be right. I think that's a kind of a universal truth there. You know, there's a joke that goes something like, uh, when I married him, I thought he was Mr. Right. I didn't realize his first name was Always. And sometimes we can be pig-headed in what we, can, what we see as our version of truth. And even when it's exposed maybe as a, as a misunderstanding or a mistake, pride keeps us in that error. So we need 
to be warned about two things, mercy and truth. Both of those, I think, we sometimes have trouble with as men. Backing down when we realize that we're wrong. We like to be right. And the other thing is showing mercy. That's sometimes tough to do. We'd rather see justice dealt out, or our version of it anyway. Mercy, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Why do you write things down? So you don't forget them. It's a reminder to yourself. So men, keep reminding yourself to love truth, to love mercy. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. There, there's a wonderful truth of God, that when we line our, our lives according to the word of God, not only will we, we be right with God always, but even good men, good women will acknowledge that. You know, when the angels announced to the shepherd, shepherds, uh, peace on earth, goodwill to men, a better rendition of that is actually Peace on earth to men of good will. And for those that have a good will, they will recognize this truth of God operating in us and will appreciate it. Your employer, if he is a principled man or woman, will recognize these uh, properties of, of us as being uh, worthy, virtuous, beneficial. Others will find us dependable friends, good neighbors, dependable people. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Oh, that's one that, that touches close to home, isn't it, men? I think men, men like to be planners. They like to have a direction set out, a vision, a, a goal, a conquest. And so often it's in our own power and according to our own understanding. God warns us not to lean on that. The older we get, the more we realize. You know, when I was young, I had lots of plans. The older I get, the less plans I have. <clears throat> Why? Is it because I don't have any ambitions now? No. I realize how, how foolish my planning often is and how the things that I think I will be able to do or the way things will, or, or how they will work out, I often find that the Lord upsets those plans. And sometimes, not sometimes, always my plans, where they ran contrary to his, were not good. And so I've learned instead to just wait. To wait on God and to understand that his ways are not my ways, and that's good. Because my ways often don't work out very well. You know, there's a temptation to look in the rearview mirror also in life. If only I had done something different. If only this had happened. If only that. That's not how God works. The sooner you realize even that kind of revisionist view of your life is leaning on your own understanding. You think that if you had done things differently, things would have turned out so much better. You have no idea what you're talking about. God runs all things by the word of his power. And his ways are best. The sooner we learn not to lean on our own understanding, 
the better it will be, not for God, for us. That's something that every young man must learn. It's hard to learn. It runs against our natural pride. But it is the truth of God that I, I see it gets more precious with time. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Do you want God to direct your path? You have no idea what is best for you. He does. If you want that for your life, you need to acknowledge him in everything you do, even the little things. We're very good at self-justification. We're very good at minimizing our own faults or making excuses for ourselves. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him in everything you do, and he will direct thy path, your path. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So often we think that the ends justify the means. That's being wise in our own eyes. If something is evil, if something is not right, in fact, if something is just a little bit crooked, don't do it. It may seem to hurt in the short term, but it will pay handsomely in the long run. One of the ways that it will pay you is this. When you purpose in your heart to search out God's ways and his paths and what you do, you won't have to keep making those agonizing decisions again and again. Scripture tells us uh, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He's like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro. I'm sure all of us know how unpleasant it is to be wrestling with these things. Should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? And trying to justify ourselves. Is it right? Is it wrong? Once, once we've purposed in our heart to go according to God's paths, whatever they may be and however they may lead us, that's not a decision that needs to be made again and again and again. It gets easier. The blessings get greater. And the things of earth have less power over us. That, that's that, that light that shines ever brighter, as the scripture says. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. There's another reminder. I think we're all inclined naturally to selfishness. You only need to see that by having little children around you. They have a very clear idea of what they think is theirs and when someone has infringed on that right. When we get older, I think that same inclination is there. We just become more sophisticated in how we hide it. <clears throat> so when we learn to give with an open hand, when we learn to bless the Lord with the first fruits of our increase, not because he needs anything, but because it's good for us, then, then we will experience the blessing of God. In the Old Testament, the promise was a material one. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. But in the New Testament, the blessings are even greater. They are greater. 
the blessings of the new are spiritual and will go on. They will, they will be a benefit already here, but they will go on. As Christ told his disciples, he said, there's no man who's left father or mother, brother, sister, husband, wife, for my sake in the gospel that shall not receive already in this life manyfold more and in the life to come, eternal life. That's what the Christian has. In the end, we're all just renting here. We laid Sister Julia to rest just this past week. The only real estate she has is the area that, uh, the funeral plot in the cemetery, that's it. <clears throat> that is the end of all of us one day. With that in mind, wisdom teaches us to lay up treasure for the life to come. What good is plenty here if we are bankrupt on the other side? The rich man lifted up his eyes in torments and said, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger and put a drop of water on my tongue. Do you want that to be you? He had plenty in this life. We read of no great evil that he did other than this, that he had someone in need at his doorstep and he did nothing about it. But now it was reversed. Lazarus was comforted and the rich man was tormented. Material blessing here and now is of no use if there is nothing to come. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. The New Testament tells us that if we don't receive correction, we're bastards. We're illegitimate children of God. We're, we're not his. We don't belong to him. But I see a flip side there. As fathers, if we are unwilling to correct our children, we're illegitimate fathers. It's both ways. Sometimes it's easier just to let things slide. Just ignore it and go out to the garage or down to the shop or out to the golf course and avoid the problem. No. God expected the fathers to set that tone in the house. Ultimately, the responsibility of discipline ends with them. That's not to say, of course, that mothers don't take a hand in disciplining children. Of course they do. But the final say is the father's and he will bear the responsibility before God for the course that he set his family on. And there is no getting around that responsibility. If you say you love your children, you must discipline them. Why? Because God says, if you're his child, he's going to discipline you too. And we become a pattern now for God and how our children will deal with him one day. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son, in whom he delighteth. As my sons get older, and I have to take a hand in correcting them, it's much easier 
for the older ones to take discipline into their own hands. And one of the things that I'm trying to teach them, I think it's slowly taking hold with many repetitions, is this. They should only need to speak and their younger siblings should fall in line. That's the expectation. They are not to lay a hand on the younger siblings, the older ones. And that goes all the way down. They should be able to speak, and it should be done. Of course, this doesn't always work in practice, but this is why the training comes in. Their word should have authority. They should never take uh, the role of the father to chastise physically. They should only speak, and the younger ones should obey. Now, the other side of that is if the older ones tell the younger ones to do something that isn't right, they have the right to appeal. They have the right to appeal to me as the father. But what I'm trying to teach them is this. The chastisement of the Lord should only need to be a word. He shouldn't need to whip us to get our attention. His word should have power and authority in our life. When he says something, we should immediately obey. Of course, we don't always do that, do we? Sometimes, he does need to chastise us, and we feel the shepherd's rod. And then we have to realize that we were at fault, and it was really his love that drove him to correct us so that we would learn. But how much better when the chastening of the Lord need only be a word? We need to teach that also to our children so that when the word of the Lord comes to them, they will listen. And they will receive that chastening because they know it comes from a heart of love and because it will be wisdom to them. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. I think it was maybe Benjamin Franklin who said, I pour my purse into my head so that no man may rob me. And though he was an ungodly man, there's truth in that. Things that we learn can never be stolen from us. They are treasure. This is also why the things that we hold as a denomination, as a practice, we need to be responsible for as well. Those also need to be taught within the context of the church and passed down. The lessons that we have learned through prison, blood, and death need to be perpetuated. We cannot lay them aside. We have been taught them, and we need to treasure them. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. A rightly ordered life, that's a real treasure. That's a treasure already here, but how much more in the life to come? when we realize. Uh, you've probably heard the story before about the, the men that were told. It was at nighttime, I think it was, and they came to a brook, and they were told 
by a uh, given instruction that they should fill their pockets with the rocks of that stream and in the morning they would be both happy and sad. And so they filled their pockets with the rocks and some grabbed a couple handfuls and put them in. Okay, I've done that. And then when the morning came and they looked at what they had gathered, they found that they were precious stones of great value. And they were delighted at first. But then slowly the sadness came when they realized that they should have taken so much more. And I think perhaps that's going to be the way it may be on the other side. When we will be thankful for the things that we sent on, the value, the treasure that, that we, we laid up for that life to come, but there will also maybe be a little bit of sadness knowing we could have done so much more. Wisdom, she is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is everyone that retaineth her. I like this illustration. A tree of life. Something that keeps growing, that gives fruit, that gives shade. I like trees. Which is probably why I hate these gypsy moth caterpillars so much and spend so much time killing them. But I have a, I have a red oak tree that I planted in the front yard. And oaks are lovely trees, but they're very slow growing. And those gypsy moth caterpillars really like those trees. I can't tell you how many hundred I've squashed already putting tape around them and inspecting them. I want that tree to survive. I want that tree to be a great tree one day, to provide shade, to be beautiful to look at, to turn a lovely color in the fall. Do I take the same pains, gathering wisdom, that she may be a tree of life to me? I don't know. I hope so. You know, when we plant trees, the benefit isn't always to the planter. Often it's to the generation following. If you go to Europe, sometimes in the town squares, there will be these great old trees, beech trees or oak trees that are perhaps hundreds of years old and are just beautiful to look at. The one who planted it never saw it that way. But the subsequent generations received the benefit. There are so many good instructions here. I'd like to dwell on all of them, but there, there simply is not the time. I'd like to focus on the latter part of the chapter here. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in, thy, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. That's a tricky one, because we can so often justify to ourselves why we shouldn't pass it along, why there's maybe too much uncertainty in the future to give freely now, but once things are established, once things are taken care of, once this big expense is paid off, then, then I'll be generous. No, 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 generosity starts in the small things, as the Lord taught us through the widow's might. And so, fathers, fathers-to-be, you should be known as a generous father, not as a miserly one, not one who squeezes the nickel. One who people know that they can, they can depend on, that they can come to when there's a need. That doesn't mean that we just turn off our brains and don't, don't consider and just squander. No. The Lord gave us wisdom for a reason. That wisdom is to be applied to generosity. 
But that generosity needs to be there. We can't use our own twisted understanding or thinking to be miserly. So we need a reminder here, and it's in God's word for us. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due. Say not unto thy neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. When you have an opportunity to do good, when it's there in front of you, give. Don't think too hard about it. Give. If it's a legitimate need. If your brother has need, give. You never know when you might be in a position where you need help. Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. In this verse, I see a a little nugget of wisdom for all of us. Don't abuse the trust that others have placed in you. There's a man by the name of Stephen Covey. He's dead now, but he wrote a a book called uh, Seven Rules, uh, Seven Habits, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he's from a Mormon background, but many of the things that he writes in there are very practical and even biblical guidelines for living. And one of them is this point, honor the one that is not present. Honor the one that is not present. When someone is not in your presence, how do you speak about them? Do you speak about them as if they were there hearing what you were saying about them? That's important. It's easy to be loose with our words. As fathers, we should be known as men of discretion, careful with our words, meaning what we say. Strive not with a man without cause if he have done thee no harm. Don't be quick to judge and fly off the handle. Consider a matter. Be careful. Envy thou not the oppressor and choose none of his ways. You know, there's this tendency when we look at the world around us and we see how messed up it is, we think, wow, you know, if only I could get some of the benefits that some of the ungodly get. And we, we, we kind of pine after that. Why is it so hard for, for those of us that want to play by the rules, that want to do things right? Don't think that way. The judge of all the earth will do rightly. Things will eventually be set right. Don't envy the oppressor. Think again of the rich man and Lazarus. Perhaps he had many that envied his position while on this earth. How many would envy it on the other side? Consider the long game. Look to the future and and, and inform the present by what you know will be coming. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. There's something I heard once. It applies to my own family. For a period of time, my grandparents on my dad's side lived with my grandfather's father, so my great-grandfather. And in that same household was also his daughter. So my grandfather and my grandfather's sister and their families both lived in the same house. 
And my, my, my grandfather's sister was really hard on my grandmother and her children, very talked down to her and, 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 and kind of difficult. And finally, my great-grandfather stepped in, and he told his daughter, his daughter, you leave her alone. That was my grandmother now. You leave her alone. Her children will honor her. But your children will dishonor you. He said that to his own daughter. I don't know how he knew that. I don't know how he saw that, other than the patterns that he was seeing in the family already. He died in the concentration camp not many years later. But I marvel at how true what he said was. Eventually, wisdom will be justified of all her children. Those that follow these things in the word of God and live by them will benefit from them and, and subsequent generations following will also benefit, even though we may not see it. Those who do not pay attention to them do so to their own peril. May we all learn these words from the, these, these lessons from the word of God that we may also be better fathers, better mothers, better instructors of those that are coming after. That we be, may be known as Children of the highest who value wisdom as a treasure and not ones who run after the things of this world. May the Lord add whatever was lacking. Amen. Would our brother please select to him? This morning we've heard about wisdom being passed down from the Father. I don't think it's an accident that the shrill voice of culture will tell you today that the evil is a patriarchy. Male authority is oppressive and it's what's at the heart of all that's wrong with the world. Because the truth is the opposite. The truth is there is a loving father heart, which sung about, that can patiently guide us into wisdom that will be a tree of life for each one of us if we would have the humility to humble ourselves and be willing to follow that. And what's really problematic in today's society is that men need the courage, the compassion, and the commitment to be an involved and loving father that is willing to instruct their children. It's a lack of godly, loving male leadership that we meet, that we, is, is at the, the problem rather than the opposite. So this morning, as we would think about not just being grateful for those who have been good examples in our lives of godly fatherhood, but 
let us look beyond that to the Heavenly Father who patiently waits to instruct each one of us. No one can be a good father without being a good son. And each one of us are sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. And He has so much good. As we heard about those precious stones, there is so much good He wishes to impart. We would have but the humility to listen now, not regret later. May each one of us have a close relationship and be able to say Abba Father to him. With that we conclude this morning's service.